welcome back to We Ruined Everything. I'm Kayla. I'm David. And it's been, I think, forever since the last time we recorded an episode. March, I believe. I think that's the exact date, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Justice League was the last. And hey, we're back talking about another DC movie, I guess. Heck yeah. Not the one we always say we're going to talk about. Not Birds of Prey yet. <laughs> Maybe next time, though. Um, but yeah, we just watched the, the Suicide Squad. Which is pretty yeah, good. The Suicide Squad. Or Suicide Squad 2, as it's known colloquially. Sure, sure, sure. What did you think? It was enjoyable. I, I liked it. There's some pacing issues and tone issues, but it was enjoyable watching. To be fair, we watched it at home and we paused it a lot. So we could have been some of the cause of some of the pacing issues. Maybe. It was two hours long. <laughs> it was long. Which is why we had it to was. pause it because it was just stuff comes up and you got to go do it. Yeah, you gotta. I would argue that it's still better than what we would have done if we went and watched it in theaters because we would have missed movie when I had to go to the restroom and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> but it was, it was, what did you think about it? Um, I enjoyed it for sure better than the first one and maybe not quite as good as Birds of Prey, but I don't know if it's fair to just compare all DC movies like that. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a Fun romp. A very violent romp, but... <laughs> yeah. A quarter of it is pretty much a Harley Quinn movie, so I think it's fair to compare it to Birds of Prey. Yeah. I think James Gunn did a good job with uh, a soft reboot, I guess, uh, a sequel to both Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, but also still kind of loose enough that it doesn't have to follow any specific storylines. It's not as tight as like MCU timeline thing, but it's still no, pretty good. I don't feel like they have an overarching theme that they're trying to reach at the end of a decade or anything, which is probably the way to do it now. I think Marvel did it, and I think it kind of monopolized the way of doing those kinds of movies, and so DC's going to have to find something different, which it feels like they've been doing. Yeah, and hell, Marvel's not even really doing it anymore with the multiverse. So the action scenes are great. Characters that weren't really likable, like Flag. This is going to be spoiler-filled. You can watch it on HBO Max probably right now. Probably hard not. Yeah. It's going to be spoiler. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Come back. Yeah. Get a week free trial. Go watch it. Go to the theaters. Whatever you're going to do. Uh, yeah, it was. It made people likable, and it gave. And it really lived up to the Suicide Squad name. Very quick recap. So we have a team that goes out on a mission to secure a place, and pretty much everyone in that team gets annihilated. And there is a second team that uses that distraction to go and is their goal to destroy the records of the project or is it just to secure the project? I mean, it's really loose. It's very much an 80s ensemble action movie in terms of they're just going to a foreign country to do some stuff. They got a mission. Yeah. Yeah. And so our ragtag team is Harley and Flag uh, introducing King Shark and um, John Cena's character. What was his name? Peacemaker is all I remember. Peacemaker. And there was Ratcatcher 2. And there was the Polka Dot guy. Yeah, Polka Dot Man. And uh, there's a lot of characters that just don't matter in the movie, too. So anyway, our main team. Yeah. Continues on their mission. Yeah. Hijinks and Sue. First team is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Harley gets separated, and then the team gets back together, and then they release a giant monster, and then they save the day. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty straightforward movie in terms of plot. Like, it's not trying to do anything too wild, except for the, the tonal shifts, which I had a little bit of a problem with. James Gunn has this weird way of writing things where he'll try to have 
super gory, grotesque moments, followed by really sweet moments. And sometimes it works out and it's great. Other times it just kind of messes up one or the other, like horridness of everything, which he keeps wanting to show how horrible this type of world would be. Right in the first act, they have, uh, oh crap, what's his name? Merle from uh, Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. Michael Rooker. Rooker. Yeah. I think it's Michael Rooker. Uh, they have his character, they almost set him up like a main character. He oh, goes on with the yeah, other team. Like a badass. And then he starts to see everybody start killing and dying. And it starts showing it in such a way it looks really close to like Saving Private Ryan's beach attack. Oh, crap. Normandy? Battle of Normandy? Yeah. Is that what it is? But I didn't want to say because I was like, crap, am I going to be wrong about this? But anyway, <laughs> uh, it's very much filmed like that. And he snaps and tries to go away. And then Waller blows. He's the first person that gets his head blown off uh, by Waller. And that was affecting. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. But then he has little moments of wanting to be fun with Harley and uh, the German guy who gives her the staff. And it just kind of oh, undercuts. that YouTuber. Yeah. And it just kind of undercuts that feeling to me. Like, and it happens all throughout the movie where they have these really sweet moments too that are just beautiful. And then it's just, and I love teenage body humor too, just as much as the next person, but like it just undercuts that <laughs> heartwarming feeling to me. And it just, that was jarring to me when it happened a lot. So didn't bother me because I feel like it is overall a campy, gory movie with just some moments of deepness and levity in it. I don't know why I pronounce the T so hard on that. Levity. Levity. Leviosa. Yeah. <laughs> it's Leviosa. But, um, so like, it didn't bother me. I didn't notice if other people noticed. Like, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess I can see that. I just, I don't have a problem with it. I was there for the fun time, man. Not for the little moments of heartwarminess. So I think that's the thing. Like I went in expecting a movie as tight in terms of storytelling as the Guardians movies, which I think is him bringing his A game with that kind of like balancing act of having these really action packed things and having these uh, more impactful emotional moments. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes I down mean, to Marvel's more family friendly approach. I, that's what I was. I'm, part of that is that The Suicide Squad is an R rated movie. Marvels are usually PG-13. Also, they have just a tighter constraints that he has to stay in storyline-wise. So James Gunn, movies. people talk about him like he's a not-sure. And I feel like maybe a little bit more bringing in the range would have made this a tighter movie for me. Not Having said that, DC sucks when they, when they do do that. We've had a bunch of stuff in the past <laughs> where they get too involved. We did a whole show before this one of the uh, Joss Whedon cut versus the Snyder cut. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to see exactly what we're talking <laughs> we're about. We're going to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> oh, that too. <laughs> Given James Gunn this wider range of R-rated violence and stuff that just kind of detracted from his points about the human condition and stuff like that to me. And it, it just... Maybe I didn't go into this movie thinking it was about the human conditions. I mean, the rat catcher's whole stuff, those little moments, the stuff with a rat catcher trusting King Shark, uh, all these little things of trust in me, friend. Like, it just kind of... It plays like a satire, which is what it is, but it plays it so close to its chest that it seems like it's trying to actually be the things that it's satirizing, which is weird. I don't know. I just went in for a good time. It was a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. Like, it don't, most people are not going to look into it as deep as I did. <laughs> Though I have been seeing some people starting to say they didn't like it. And I wonder if that's what it is. It's that tonal shift. I'm I'm sure. I mean, you can't please everybody. I mean, because it's such an enjoyable, well-made movie. It's whimsy a lot, which is weird for as gory and as hor like the whole Peacemaker and uh, Idris Elba, like both of them going. Deathstroke? Is that his name? <laughs> no, Deathstroke's somebody else. What's uh, his name? Not Deadshot. Not Bullseye. Deadshot. Not... <laughs> 
<laughs> what are all these? Idris Elba plays Blood, uh, Bloodsport. Isn't that a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? Yes. Okay. But like they have this whole murder montage of them going around and killing people. It's a murder off. Yeah, it's a murder. They're trying to outdo each other. And it's dope. I forgot what point we were trying to make because I was looking for this thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the movie, it just, it just hit these weird tonal shifts that just didn't land with me and... I'm assuming that's happened to a lot of people because it's gotten a lot of love. Like people were saying, this is the best comic book movie <laughs> at this point. Like that's just maybe a little overrated. Yeah. Like, but if that's that person's favorite movie, then great. Sure. I don't know. It just seems like we've been in such a dearth of these type of movies. And Black Widow was fine. We watched that too. It seemed more on par with the Marvel TV shows, which are great. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, this is like the first big event movie for comic books that we've had in a while. And I think that's a lot of people just starve for that. Uh, but you're starting to see more people come on and say, like, it's lukewarm or they didn't like it. And I can see where that's coming from, even though I, I still love the movie and I'd recommend it. So tell me things you liked then. I mean, it's. Everything that I still have a problem with, I like. I just liked it at different times. I like that this is a movie, much like uh, Snyder's Justice League, that shows what violence looks like, which I think is the thing that's lost in a lot of comic book movies is they show this ultra violence, but there's no consequence for it. And I think that's, uh, as I've gotten older, that's started to bother me more. I can see that point. And in movies that are, I would say, more serious, like I really understand that. I don't know that I felt any more or less revulsion at, is that a word? Yeah. You know what Repulsion? I'm trying to say. Revulsion? Repul Maybe. Both Repulsion. Either one. Um, I did not feel as icky about it <laughs> as, you know, when there's no blood. Like, I didn't feel any worse or better. I don't know. It's so over the top and comical, though, the killings, <coughs> that it still doesn't feel real or dirty. It feels like supernatural when they would just splash a bucket of red blood on the camera or whatever. <laughs> like, it just... Which I would say yes, but like I, like I said, there's, there's scenes in there where it's directed in such a way to show the horrors of war. And they linger on certain things that I think the point trying to get across is like, even though this is comical and sparsical, like this is still a human body getting torn apart. Like I, this is still people dying and screaming in agony. Like James Gunn really pays attention to those. I don't know if you remember, but there was parts where it got like that. And I was like, holy crap. And I like that Gunn was trying to bring into like kind of like Invincible, the, the series on uh, the cartoon series, where it shows that superheroism, if you were to place those type of people in like a real setting, it would be terrifying that each one of them would be a monster from a monster movie. I feel like the violence in that animated was more impactful on me than the violence in this movie. So that's going back to the things. It, it kind of undercuts those things whenever he tries to make those type of points. I don't know. I feel like Invincible is actually trying to make those points. I felt like the Suicide Squad, again, is just a fun, campy, rompy, gory movie. I think it wanted to have its cake and eat it too. Maybe. I haven't seen any interviews with him, so I have no idea what his intention was with this movie, really. And I know I, it, I like this movie, but I know it just sounds like I'm railing <laughs> on it. You are not convincing. It had the same problem that I've been having with a lot of movies lately, but that I had with Suicide Squad Part 1. And that's that the overuse of licensed music. Was there? What licensed music was it? it I don't was even remember. It was nothing but licensed music. There was like was six or seven songs and one 10 minute chunk. And it was just like, it just, in Guardians of the Galaxy, it made sense uh -huh. because that was part of Quill's past. So this was his movie. So you would have that soundtrack. With Suicide Squad, it just seemed like forcing song after song. I that kind of remember some, I guess. But then I like licensed music. But then I'm not a music person like you are who likes to score things. And it's just, I miss the days when like a superhero or like a, a, a hero movie, whatever, had a theme that or a fanfare that played with someone. Now it's just you just play a song. 
you know, and the only song I can remember, and I don't even really know the song or remember the words or the music or whatever, but it's when Harley is. Uh, we've already said spoilers, right? Yeah, this is all spoilers. This is all spoilers. When she's chained up in the dungeon or whatever it is, and she's humming a song later when she is making her way out, and the actual song in the movie is the one that she was humming. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's the only thing I remember about the music. Yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's not memorable when they use licensed music, but it doesn't bother me in a moment. See, if it was used just for that scene, that would have been great. Um, but it's just used for every other scene. There's a new piece of music licensed. And then that was just like, why? It's a two hour movie. You pretty much get like a, this is the 70s. This is the 80s mix. The entire thing, you know, what are those old CD? Now? Now, this is what it called music. Yeah, you're getting pretty much two albums worth of those. Um, which some people might love that. I, I just have a problem with movies that over rely on licensed music. Yes, that is a pet peeve of yours. It's in a lot of movies now. So, yeah, it, it tends to taint a lot of uh, my opinions about some stuff. What did you think of King Shark in this movie and like in comparison with King Shark and Flash or in uh, the Harley Quinn animated so I like that there's been three different versions of King Shark and all of them work, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. The Flash TV show had like the big monster version, which just worked as a monster of the mm-hmm. week. Harley Quinn has like a really sensitive and touch uh, shark man who loses control sometimes and does like horrifying murders. But the voice, he's so like friendly and what's that comedian's name? Ron Funches, yeah. who's in another mo- uh, show we liked, Final Space, and I love his voice. Uh, but Ron Funches, he brings such levity and like kindness to that character so that when you do have him turn into a monster, it just, oh, it, it hits you in a weird way because you're like, I didn't expect that from him. And no, he's so sensitive. You feel like he'd bake you cookies and stuff like that in the Harley yeah. TV show. <laughs> that was a very compelling argument with impressive choreography, but I remain unconvinced. So I was kind of worried going in that I heard that this new King Shark from uh, Suicide Squad was going to be more uh, simple, more dog-like. Uh, <laughs> Played by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> and then it, it made sense because I it's, that's what if Sylvester Stallone played the voice of a dog and look who's talking five. What a comparison. Yeah. <laughs> but I really liked what they did with him. And like I said, they, they made him like a giant dog, even though he's a shark. But with little touches like he wants people to he wants people to think he's smart. Yeah, I was like, but yeah. he's got depth for a silly character. He's got some depth. He wants friends. He wants people to think he's smart. He wants to be useful and he wants nom noms. Nom nom. The CGI is great on him. Uh, yeah, he's great. Sylvester Stallone, yeah, was, I think James Gunn said he wrote it with Sylvester in mind. And they tried out <laughs> a bunch of voice actors and nobody worked. He's like, let me try to just get Sylvester. So he called him up and he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, do it. That's my Sylvester Stallone phrase. It's bad. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And it worked. I think it worked perfectly. It fit, fit the mannerisms. Yeah. It was good. What about Harley compared to the other two DC movies? Yeah, I mean, it's just a continuation of uh, the Birds of Prey Harley, which is great. I've been reluctant to go back and watch Suicide Squad 1 because I think it's going to disappoint me a whole lot more. But like, I feel like building off the character they made her in, you know, and Birds of Prey where they gave her depth, they gave her more well-roundedness, mm-hmm. made her a person. This was a good growth from that. Like, it works as a sequel to that movie easily. Like King Shark, she's out there trying to make friends. 
I mean, at the at the at the core of this movie, it's the friends we made along the way. Uh, that's that's <laughs> for sure is. I, I liked all the stuff, and I liked what they did with characters uh, with Harley's love interest type problems. They did a really good joke on that um, when she shoots her would be lover. What about what did you? Yeah, think? no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I just what we were saying is, they really did. I think show some of her growth since Birds of Prey, trying to make friends. You know. Not falling in with the wrong guy. Um, I liked her whole aesthetic in this movie. The the cool red dress and her red and black hair. Her, you know, like Harlequin colors. And I just, I don't know. How how do you not love Margot Robbie and whatever she's in? It's so, I mean, she was the best part of the first Suicide Squad, even though they did her dirty in it. I liked her saving herself do think about that hallway scene oh yes i loved that imagery of just the total mayhem that she is creating and that is behind her just you know just flowers all around much like in birds of prey where she just goes in and starts shooting glitter bombs all over the police precinct like i don't know i just like the colorful imagery around her and i'm glad to see the camera and the director and the script be a little bit more respectful of the character than the first movie was. Yeah. So the big monster at the end. Or do, we, or do you want to talk about Ratcatcher? I do have problems with movies. And I know that the whole point of the movie was satirizing this. Uh, but like go into a foreign country that's in the middle of a coup. Yeah. I always have problems with like a, a nondescript South American country being used. Uh, that always bothers. It still bothers me. And to this movie's credit, it tries to place the blame squarely on America's meddling. Yeah, we were the problem. We're the one that brought the monster to Earth. But still, most of the bad guys were Latinx people. It just It just always sits a little weird. And that might be the other part of the movie that didn't sit right with me, why I didn't love it as much as I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. And these are problems that I bring in on my own. I understand that. <laughs> uh, but no, like, I, they're valid. But yeah, I, 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 I had a problem with that. Um, I do love that the leads were at least written as people of color, even though Ratcatcher actress isn't necessarily a person of color. She's still written as a, her dad, her dad is a, a Taika who's Maori, uh, who they let him keep his accent and everything. So I'm assuming in universe Ratcatcher one was a Maori person. I did like that, but like she and her dad did not have the same accent. No, I mean, she, <laughs> she raised her in South America. And that's the thing that's you can assume that like half South American, <laughs> I guess. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, she's written as a South American person. Who is, oh, I can't remember. I forgot his name. The driver. Uh, Was it Melvin or Martin? Milton. 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 I can't believe I forgot that because they really <laughs> hammered that in. They were going to have it wrong when I go check this after this. Uh, but Milton, yeah, he was he was a part of the, the cast for a while. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and truly a lovable character. Yeah. And Idris Elba. So Idris Elba is such a weird position because they couldn't get Will Smith back. And what was his character's name? Will Smith was Bloodshot? Deadshot. Deadshot. There you go. And I mean, they're essentially the same character because they both are like good kind of sharp shooters, killers, right? And isn't that the joke they make though? Kind of between so it's kind of that winky. Yeah, it makes it okay that they hired essentially a stand-in for Will Smith. Checks all the boxes Will Smith does. Yeah, and it's still someone who has a daughter. Waller uses the daughter. 
except it's a different dynamic. I am glad they kept a black man as the lead, one of the leads. Yes. It sucks they did it this way. Even though they do acknowledge that that's exactly what they're doing with uh, Peacemaker when they come in, just like, you have another guy who does my same powers. Yeah. It, I applaud that they kept someone of color in lead. I wish it was done a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, again, this is the show's called We Ruined Everything. Sorry to get all SJW on you. <laughs> no, we're not. But like, yeah, there's 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 things that I liked and there's things that could have done and done better. But I mean, you know, sure. at the end of the day, it it is it, still a good movie that had some good stuff in it. Uh, Alice Braga is the name Alice Braga. So yeah, of the I forget she was even in this her. movie because she's not in it a whole lot. She's not. But I always love seeing her. Yeah, she was in uh, Army of the Dead, too. I would say this movie did better with her character than Army of the Dead did, if you haven't seen it. yeah. Army of the Dead just pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> pissed a lot of people. I liked it. I liked it, but it pissed me off. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about Starro real quick? The big uh, kaiju that everybody keeps calling. Yeah. People keep calling it a kaiju. I call it a it's – a, it's, a, it's an eldritch monstrosity <laughs> to me. But I kaiju works. I mean, but isn't uh, – G- not Gamora. I'll do you one better. Who's Gamora? Why is Gamora? Um, no, what's a three-headed thing from Godzilla? Isn't that an Ghidorah? alien? Yeah. Ghidorah. There we go. But it doesn't control people's minds. True. But they could also slay this eldritch god. So not quite invincible. Yeah, it seemed more like a lower classic. But yeah, it's it's <laughs> any movie that brings in eldritch things. Yeah. You know, cosmic weirdness. I love. I, I do think that this is going to eat into like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness if it brings in who everybody keeps talking about them bringing in Shuma Garath. I do think that the people are going to make comparisons there uh, a lot, even though they're two completely different power sets. But yeah, big starfish, big tentacle monster. Big monster. Big monster. But like, yeah, I, I dug what they did with it. I liked that they kind of went with a zombie monster, zombie on the ground, giant monster walking around. I told you it felt like that episode of uh, Rick and Morty. It's it's. I wonder what that's based. I know it has to have some basis in some old movie. Because Starro, and they kind of made him, made you feel a little bit bad for him, even though it was a piece of crap. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was not meant to be caged. Yeah, but he probably shouldn't have been. I mean, he says to himself, I was happier in the thing floating in the sky and yeah. the, looking at the stars like, yeah, we shouldn't bring monsters to the You're world. You're going to torture me. I will torture you back. I will say something else. I The trailers really set Polka Dot Man to be a character he wasn't really. I know. I, the trailer was kind of the best part of his character, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, he was still fun. It just, this is not Gun or anybody on the movie's fault. It's the trailer house's fault for putting so much emphasis on him. But yeah, I just, I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't have. Uh, but yeah, so final thoughts. I really loved it. You should go watch it. There's going to be problems. Uh, what what is what doesn't have problems? Also, I know it was a huge cast and like it was really long, but I felt like they underused Capaldi. I'm just saying. I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> agree with Shout you. Shout out. I know, I'm not a big Doctor Who fan, but he was the best Doctor Who. And this monster kind of felt like a Doctor Who monster, to be honest. Man, this was doing that. Loki's been doing that. Holy crap. Doctor I Who mean, is. We got to talk about the Marvel TV shows. We'll do a whole episode on the Marvel TV shows. Oh, okay. How about that? Okay, bye. Yeah, especially now we're watching What If right now. But anyway, was that your final thoughts on Suicide Squad? Yeah, huh? yeah. I, I've already, I like it. Go watch it. It's fun. It's it's gory. It's good. <laughs> uh, I guess one of the things we can talk about real fast was, uh, and we're not going to spend as much time because it wasn't, didn't stay with at least me at least. I don't know about you. I guess we'll find out. Well, Black Widow. Yeah. Um. I think it was a good intro to her sister. It was a bad Black Widow movie. I think I just have complicated feelings about Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow in general. I mean, for 
a decade. They've not been very nice to that character. And then they finally give her her own movie and there's a whole bunch of background nonsense. And they maybe didn't utilize Scarlett Johansson well enough. Um, Love her sister's character. I like the rest of the movie. I know you don't. I I liked the family. Um, I don't know. It's fine. For all the talk about the Red Room, I don't feel like they actually showed the actual Red Room hardly at all. So that felt underwhelming. I'd like to know more about Scarlett Johansson's friend who got her all of the... He's got a contract with Marvel. Does he? Good. So maybe he'll help Yelena. Um, I mean, probably going to be in the Hawkeye show. I'm sure he'll end up being in some of the other Marvel stuff that's going on. I just felt like that was a good character setup too. I felt like there's more to him. That first third of the movie where it's like, this quick flashback to where Black Widow is. She's on her own. She's, everything up until after the fight, I think, was a great standalone Black Widow movie. Mm-hmm. It felt like a spy movie. Yeah. Felt very sure. much the, like a like a born. Uh-huh. I agree with everybody saying that about the first part of the movie. And then Yelena is, is intersped in there. And I almost thought we're, it's still good. And I still would have been fine with like a buddy movie. With her and her sister mm-hmm. going around doing stuff, but then it reintroduces the parents, and the parents just kind of yeah. I know you didn't like him. I I did. I mean, they don't show Red Guardian is proud of all the espionage and everything that she's done. He's not really repentant about any of it. I mean, they were assassins. They yeah. were not good people. And their mom, they're not good. It's going to be complicated. Their mom's a scientist that controls all these people, and they kind of just like gloss over that. And there's no consequence for that, even in a spy movie. At the end of the day, this is a spy movie, and it just. It, it descends into just basic Marvel 3X structure. There's just giant explosions and big fights. And movies that fall into that crutch, I've gotten more critical of that. Suicide Squad did that great because it just made it a big gonzo uh, thing. Whereas Black Widow played it really close to the chest and just did stuff from that formula. And in general, it seemed like Scarlett Johansson finally got her movie, but it was never about her. And that seems kind of sad to me. Yeah. Because I'm excited I mean, for her sister series whenever that happens, but it didn't make me appreciate the Black Widow character anymore or even feel like she got a good close. Yeah, it's just, it's all kind of been messy and unfortunate with and now she's Black suing Widow Disney and Scarlett Johansson. And yeah. For and breach of contract. So <laughs> take that as you will. It seems like Disney really did dirty by Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson, maybe. I, um, we've probably talked about it, but the take on YouTube, I thought, had some. Pretty good context and explanation surrounding the whole Black Widow character and Scarlett Johansson being problematic. And yeah, she's a real rich lady and she's suing Disney. And why do we care if she gets more money than her 50 million or whatever? I don't know what how much she was supposed to get. But like at the same time, you know, if Disney's screwing over the big time actors, then they're screwing over the little people too. And so she is actually somebody who can maybe afford to make some changes in the way that Disney runs their monopoly. Um, so I don't, there's just, there's just so much around it. And I, I don't know that there's, it's just a sticky situation and she needs to stop doing appropriative roles and (laughs) hopefully she can get some just better action movies that write yes. women better <laughs> i don't know so yeah i mean that's my thought on black widow going back to that and it's, just, it's it's a movie it's a it's a great first act and then just becomes a basic marvel movie it is okay to watch 
and kind of be on your phone too. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a full background movie because again, Yelena is great. Um, I love that actress. But um, Pew, what's her first name? Florence Pew. Yeah. I yeah, I like her. I watched her make She's great. Apple something strudel. <laughs> Everybody something watched that. She was also in the, the WWE movie. Uh, oh yeah, I fighting with my family. That. She was really good. good in that. She's a great, and, and that she's might be so other thing. She might. She's got a little bit more charisma than Scarlett, and it kind of comes through in the in, in the cut. I mean, yeah, it just it was an, it was just an unfortunate movie that I felt I felt like that character deserved better. As as weird as that sounds, they needed to do better, and they tried, and they tried to poke fun at themselves for the stupid stuff that they did in the past movies, but. Yeah. You know, it it's one of those in Disney, Marvel, whatever, they try to do this a lot, like in the live action remake of Beauty and the Beast, where they try to like say, oh, no, it wasn't Stockholm Syndrome, which I don't think it ever was. But they try to correct a lot of things that people think they did wrong because it is trendy and lucrative now in some respects to be um more social justice conscientious yeah um but it it comes off as hollow sometimes so yeah go watch suicide squad maybe watch whip like widow uh but yeah anyway that uh thanks for listening uh, we'll catch y'all next time <laughs> i was just trying to count in like another six months is that yeah is that our schedule now every yeah. six months yeah, every six months five to six months we'll catch y'all when we can next time there we go uh uh, later, everyone. Bye-bye.